we care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. Welcome, Murray Long, to the podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks for the opportunity. A lot of talk here at the conference, Murray, about uh, some great initiatives happening out in Saskatchewan as far as law enforcement goes. Can we get a bit of history, first of all? I think it all all begins with the developments in Whitecap over the past number of years. I mean, Whitecap's had great success with the land code and using that as a tool to develop in the community with uh, uh, the expansion of of uh, or construction of a casino and then uh, most recently we just constructed a hotel and there's more investments planned in the future all of that brings more people visiting the community and it also brings more people uh, living in the community as well and we're also looking for investors so all of those things bring with it some good some bad more people mean more issues around security and so forth and uh we wanted to find better ways of policing and enforcing our laws on reserve as a, as a First Nations land management uh, signatory, uh, framework signatory. We wanted to uh, make sure that our laws had teeth. There were always challenges with that in the past, and we, we saw that with COVID and so forth. But even prior to that, the, the, the process began with... Um, with the two chief bears, Chief Austin Bear and Chief Darcy Bear, saying, yes, there's a gap here. And, you know, made their connections with their counterparts in the province. And the province, uh, Provincial Minister, Minister Morgan at the time said, yes, we've got a we've got a gap here and we've got to figure out a different way of doing things. And it began with a, a political agreement, a MOA, that said, let's work on this. And so we worked, the work began with some legal research and stuff and trying to find some ways to uh, fix the problem. COVID got in the way for a couple of years, but during that time, people thought about it some more. And, and as a result, we have now established a, a good system of, of enforcement using tools that we've got. And plus we've had, uh, we've worked really well with, with the provincial government to, to uh, get the legal system in place in order to go forward and enforce our laws within the courts and so forth. So prior to COVID and the work you've been doing, uh, how was policing handled in the community? We are a signatory with CTA, with the Community Tripartite Agreement. Um, and we uh, had uh, also done things like offer up housing within the community for the police as well. And, you know, we've got a good relationship with the, with the local RCMP and so forth, but they're, it's part of a rural detachment around Saskatoon. And they get called all over the place in, in the surrounding Saskatoon area. And there's, there's times when uh, nobody's around because of other demands. And um, so that, that was the main way that policing was done for, for a number of, of years. During COVID, we uh, brought in security. As a lot of First Nations did. There was also security in the community that, that the First Nation paid for for a, a, during the summers for some years as well, and all of those things helped to a certain extent. But the ability to uh, maintain the peace and stuff as a as a security guard is not the same as being a peace officer under the legislative authorities. Um, so there were different ways, but we kept wanting to find a better way to maintain a consistent presence in the in the community. 
Some people, when we're talking about laws, they assume we're talking about criminal law or serious offenses, but there are many other laws that you can make under your own land code, environmental, matrimonial, property. How does that work? A lot of the work of the of the CSOs or community safety officers is just keeping the peace and, and uh, a lot of it is maintaining um, safety in the community and so forth. And it's not about enforcing laws. At the end of the day, you don't want to get to the point where you enforce laws. But as we go forward, we're moving into becoming a self-governing First Nation. We will be developing some of our own laws, whether it's traffic laws or public nuisance laws, or, or I mean, we're even going to be looking into having them a role in supporting us in environmental protection enforcement and conservation officer role as well. All of those will be ways that we can use the those tools to, to main, maintain the peace. A lot of their work is about just the principle of community policing and being out there present in the community, working with the members, working with our visitors and so forth. And they come around and, and uh, provide that sense of safety. One story that happened just this weekend, we get reports from the CSOs. Our CSOs was out Early in the morning, uh, saw someone driving erratically in, in the parking lot at the casino and took the initiative, pull him over, check him out. The guy had been drinking and uh, was not driving safely. He uh, held him in place and the RCMP came and failed on us on a pyramid test. Just by doing that, that saves... It could save somebody on the highway between here and Saskatoon. It's not only safe for, for our community, it's safe for, for the neighbors around. It's safe for my kids that might be driving in Saskatoon or whatever. Absolutely. Win-win. So, win. Yeah. yeah. So it's a huge benefit in a lot of in a lot of ways. You've had some legislative changes as well, provincially? You, yeah. If you go from the the policing side to the enforcement side and to uh, you know, prosecution and using the courts. The other big gap and it's been talked about in the in the um conference here, it's not clear, even with land code laws, that there was a a solid way of of ensuring that uh, the laws could be enforced in the courts. But again, through the uh, work of of our leaders, they sat down and mandated their officials to to, uh, look at different options. And and our Saskatchewan officials have worked uh, very well and and, uh, very conscientiously and, and a lot, made the case that there's a different way of forcing and recognizing First Nations laws, recognizing First Nations as, as governments with their own laws and passing changes to the Summary Fences Procedures Act in Saskatchewan that allow First Nations to have the option of enforcing their laws through, essentially through the provincial courts. So that law was just passed a few weeks ago and we're in the midst of setting up the regulatory regime and the procedures and so forth to have it come into effect this fall. Are there any funding intricacies there? Like who pays for what or what's, who receives what in terms of fine revenue? That's, that's the big, um, well, there's two things on funding. On, on the fine revenue, we've basically got agreement in principle that the fines, you know, collected on reserve and related to uh, activities on reserve and First Nations laws will be collected by the First Nation. We'll have to set up, if we're going to be using the provincial courts, there'll be a, you know, a portion that would need to help support the costs for, for those court costs, working with the province, and we're, we're, we're working that out right now. I don't think that'll be a problem. The longer-term issue is in enforcing those laws and policing and to have a stable source of funding to support the ongoing presence of the, those community safety officers working with our, our CMP colleagues to maintain that safety on, on reserve. 
We've got some great guys that we've trained up. Again, the province put money into that to support the support the training, and uh, the LABRC has put money in to support this pilot project. But in the long term, we can't continue to kind of cobble together that funding. We've got to have a steady source of funding so that uh, these guys that we've hired know that they've they're, they're developing a career in that area, and they can they can move forward, and we can hire others in the future as well. All of those things are hugely important to make this program successful in the long term. We've got 600 people attending this conference on enforcing First Nation laws. Uh, I'm assuming some of the other folks might be trying to bend your ear and saying, what did you do, Murray? How did you do it? And can we do it back in our jurisdiction? Yep. Yeah. We've we've had uh, some inquiries and so forth. And there's a lot from what I'm learning. We've already made an example. I know our uh, our counterpart uh, in with the province, uh, Dale Tesserowski, is is here with us. He's uh, legal counsel, our chief of police nominally, uh, uh, Lauren Gallowitz, has been providing us great advice on policing side of things. They're both here and we're we're getting lots of questions about it. We've had, we've made multiple presentations now in different places over the last six months or a year. It all goes down to uh, getting the, everybody in, in, pointed in the right direction with a little bit of political leadership and, and showing that uh, you can find some practical solutions to make things work. It's better for everybody at the end of the day. What about on the court side? Uh, have there been moves there or anything new in the way of restorative justice? That is, uh, on, on restorative, well, okay, let me, uh, on the court side so so far, we've had conversations with, uh, with the Chief Justice. They're aware of it. They know it's coming. We're going to uh, work out the specifics of having a, you know, an Aboriginal docket where if there are disputes over, say, a traffic ticker, what ticket or whatever, um, we can go in and work with justices of the peace and so forth and, and get the rulings in the same way as, as everyone else. That's, that's the way it'll work in, in, in the near term, because that makes the most sense. As we continue to develop our um, First Nations laws across, say, in Saskatchewan, a, a number of First Nations, maybe at some point there'll be a, a special court that'll, uh, that'll allow for, for that, that that's more First Nations oriented. The, the Federation of Saskatchewan Indian Nations on the prosecution side gave a mandate from the chiefs to look at how we can collectively develop a prosecution service to, to uh, help support the First Nations in, in uh, prosecuting their, their laws. And that's all on the kind of the conventional side of justice. On the restorative side, I think, again, that that's an area where different you hear different stories and, and different First Nations are taking the lead on on a better way of doing justice that's that's more in line with with uh, indigenous culture and so forth and and uh, all of those um, opportunities are there as well working individually within the communities again there's there's the challenge of creating the capacity to do that and, and investing that over time so those are opportunities we'll look at too as you head home from here what do you hope to take back with you that you can apply Whitecap Dakota I'd like to take back a commitment from the minister that there, that we can continue with our pilot project and that there's a commitment for going forward with it longer term. Everyone wants to figure out a better way of ensuring public safety within, within their communities. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Stay tuned as we bring you further coverage from the National Conference on the Enforcement of First Nation Laws. Look for updated social media links and website content. I'll put a link in the show notes to the conference website in particular, where you'll find a wealth of resource materials and follow-up information. 
It's all about finding solutions and taking real steps to restoring Indigenous justice systems. Thank you for continuing to support the Land Decolonized podcast and for sharing it with friends and colleagues. I'm Richard Perry.